From rolling dice and drawing cards to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games, as well as experienced players who want something new. Let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to Friday's Game Night. In this episode of Games for the Whole Family, we'll be talking about games kids and adults can both enjoy. In Dice Roll, we'll talk about how group size affects games. We'll give our monthly escape room update, and in Friday Favorites, talk about our favorite games right now. But first, Greg, we recently hosted a very special game night. A very colorful night it was indeed. <laughs> we had a rainbow party. Yay! We did. And that's not all. We also um, had kind of like a movie night where all yeah. our friends came over. And what we do is we actually, we have a selection of movies usually around a certain theme that mm-hmm. we have. And we make a game out of trying to select the movie. Yeah. And that way, you know, it's, once again, we're bringing gaming into something that's not maybe necessarily game related. And that way everyone has a hand in picking the movie and it's a lot, makes it more fun. Yeah, so it's not just arbitrarily, we're going to watch The Muppet Caper. It's Yeah, you know, and we're not necessarily watching a movie that just one person wants to see. Yeah, it's something that we all can kind of like at least, yeah. hey, I think we all should really watch this one as opposed to that. Yeah, and usually when we do these things, we pick a bunch of movies that most people would not have seen. I'm really good at finding obscure stuff. Yes. So <laughs> it's not like, oh, but I've already seen Die Hard. Yeah. Like, no, this is something completely different. And our theme for this one was essentially fairy tale yeah and that's kind of what because it went fairy tales to unicorns to rainbow parties yeah so. well no not so much yeah originally the idea was oh fairy tales and then we had been talking for a long time about doing all rainbow foods for a party because we had made a couple rainbow things in the past obviously it's a big fad right now and we had had fun with it in the past yeah we made a rainbow grilled cheese sandwich yeah which and so came we, out pretty good. we were like well you know It'd be cool if we did something where we had to make all rainbow things. And it just seemed to fit with our fairy tales. So why not? Why not? Right. So <laughs> what do we have? We had rainbow uh, fruit salad, mm-hmm. uh, rainbow cake, rainbow cake. Uh, rainbow like pasta. I think yeah, we rainbow. Had we had rainbow pasta salad where the noodles were all different colors. Which was really fun. We had a very um, a dip with very colorful accoutrement. <laughs> Good French word. <laughs> yes. Um, we, we had our rainbow grilled cheese again. Mm-hmm. We had the rainbow goldfish crack. One of your friends even made colorful ice cubes of yes. like fruit juice. And then we had like different kinds of colorful sodas to put them into. Yeah, so we had colorful drinks. <laughs> I had a lime ice cube with orange crush. It was uh-huh. not bad. <laughs> I had a, I think it was cherry ice cube with um, ginger ale. So it made kind of like a Shirley Temple. Oh, that's that's clever. So yeah. there you go. That's very clever. <laughs> so yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. We like to host those kind of parties. It's not something that we do too often because it's kind of like a lot of work for it. But you know what? It's really fun when it when it comes to Yeah, it. it's, it's something different, you know. But also this party was also kind of a welcome home for me too because I was actually uh-huh. out of state for a little while. Yeah. And while you were out of state, you um, were playing a lot of games, I take it. I was. I was out of state uh, visiting my uh, parents and sister and she has three kids three mm-hmm. young kids and it kind of got me thinking you know because they're they're between the ages of four to eight mm-hmm. uh, the three of them and it's kind of hard to play games with my sister when the kids want to play too yeah so I had to think like what are some good games that all of everyone can play including the little kids and that's what gave us the idea to have this as our topic today So I was trying to think about what are games that both my sister and I can enjoy 
and her children because they want to play with their uncle. You mm-hmm. know, they haven't seen him in a long time, and they also want to play games. You know, yeah. And there's a lot of games out there for kids, but a lot of those games that are for kids are not necessarily fun for us. Well, yeah, because adults they don't really enjoy playing Candyland or Shoots for Ladders. Yeah. You know, they just play with those games because the kids want to play a game. Yeah, kids and they just they're, want the joy of playing something. Yeah, and they're geared towards them. They often deal with skills that kids are working on, whether it yeah. be dexterity or colors or, or counting, counting skills. Yeah. yeah, things like that. It, the games are really essentially designed to teach kids to practice some skill. Yeah. But as you get older, those skills can translate to more complex things. But when you're four, good luck playing Risk. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, there's not a lot of... Um... I will destroy my nephew. <laughs> There's not a lot of thoughtful care that goes into playing those games. There's no strategy involved, usually. Um, A lot of times it's a lot of chance-based stuff. So, you know, it's not a lot for an adult to latch on to. It's kind of like teaching kids. Sorry, kids, sometimes life happens. (laughs) Dice didn't roll your way. You keep rolling ones. Why do you keep rolling ones, sweetheart? (laughs) But so um, we actually came up with a couple ideas of Mm -hmm. uh, both games that are fun for adults and kids and games that you can modify actually to be fun for everybody Mm -hmm. um so one of the things that we came up with is uh definitely cooperative games yes you know uh something like uh forbidden island which we happen to have up there Mm -hmm. it's rated at a higher uh age level than uh, my nieces and nephews but it's also a cooperative game and i think it was especially good because that game has a limited number of choices you can make yeah it actually spells it out for you in the rules that you can only pretty much move, do an action, pick up a card, whatever. Yeah, and know. I mean, obviously, because it's cooperative, you can help them along the way without, you know, that's the point of the game. And usually that's how it happens. Usually, unless you're really trying not to, someone who's already played the game is going to kind of be captain. Yeah. And be like, Lauren, if you move your dude here. Yeah, even with adults. And also, what's nice about um, particularly Forbidden Island is... There's not there's not a lot to it. You're moving around, trying to get four of those cards, and you're trying to get the idols and get back to the center of the island. Yeah. That's it. So it's not hard for a kid, even a young kid, to grasp that. And we found that even if the kids don't quite understand the proper like decision making for like what should be done, if you give them a choice, mm-hmm. like the adults can technically plan out. Here's what the two best options would be. And then let the child decide. They still feel like they have some agency uh-huh. towards how the game is going to go out. And they do, you know. Mm-hmm. Or they could choose to do something else. We always said, like, do you think you should fix this? Do you think you should do that? Or do you have another idea? You know? And just that idea that they're being involved, that they're being allowed to put forth their own opinion, you know, even if it's quite above their head as to the importance or, like, rationale behind each of these decisions, they still enjoy actually participating. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the adults, we can figure out, okay, assuming the random element of we don't know what she's going to choose. Yeah. How do we how do we solve this puzzle? You know? <laughs> so it was still definitely enjoyable for us, the adults playing around. Uh, and even, you know, Grandma got it on it, too. You mm-hmm. know? It was still fun to think, like, okay, how can we fix this? Knowing that maybe little Susie's not go that's not her name. Little <laughs> Susie's not going to maybe make the best decisions, you know. Yeah. Or maybe she will. Or yeah. whatever, you know. Well, and I think that this is not to say that all cooperative games are good for kids, though. No, no, no. I would not like, play pandemic with a kid. That's too yeah, many. Yeah, I mean I a lot of people online were saying pandemic. I thought pandemic was a little too complex, although at its heart it's simple, I guess, the idea of going around and fixing the diseases. Mm-hmm. But like I'm thinking, you know, Forbidden Island, yes. Forbidden 
Desert? Maybe not. Forbidden Desert, maybe not. That would be, it really depends on your kid. Yeah. And the, like, you know, maturity level they have. But the problem also with a lot of the games is you have to realize that if you have a younger child, like four, like my nephew, he likes to reach and grab things, mm -hmm. you know, or like, you know, play with it when he's, when it's not supposed to be. And with something like Pandemic, where there's pieces everywhere and you need to remember where each piece goes. Yeah. That can really be hard to remember. Was that here or was that there? Meanwhile, for something like Forbidden Island, it was either here or there, but it doesn't make as much of a difference mm -hmm. as opposed to like, were these three in Paris for the cubes or was two in Paris and one over here? Because yeah, that can like yeah. make or break the game. Also, Pandemic, it's a lot of little pieces. And I mean, obviously, there's always the risk when you're dealing with very small children with little pieces. I don't think anyone's saying to play that game with a really small child who might put that in their mouth or their nose. It's candy. Yeah. Hey, I always say it's candy. Yeah. I always pretend like I'm going to eat it. Thank God we don't have kids because they would learn don't terrible do that habits. In front of kids. <laughs> they would learn terrible habits. Bad idea. <laughs> um, we also always name our diseases funny things. But um, also just the possibility that they can get scattered or lost. Yeah. It's a lot of little pieces that could get lost. That's more of what I would be concerned with. with and I, I'm usually pretty strict about after every game, even when we just play as adults, I count every single piece because I don't want to lose anything. Mm -hmm. And if I do, I want to know what happened right now so I can get on my hands and knees <laughs> and like search the ground, yeah. you know. But like with little kids around, Lord knows what could get thrown or yeah. or like stuck somewhere uh -huh, or, or kicked whatever, somewhere. You know? <laughs> I, I was up there and I don't know how. But I swear I had a dollar in my pocket and it just disappeared. So either they're becoming pickpockets or like I was going crazy or what, you know. But I'm not accusing my nieces and nephews of thievery. I'm just saying that I think it fell out of my pocket somewhere. And someone's like, a dollar. Yeah. yeah. Um, another kind that I thought was especially good would be ones where counting score is not as prevalent in the main game. Mm -hmm. Something like Ticket to Ride. Because mm -hmm. Ticket to Ride, uh, and we played the junior version with them, you know, the uh, first journey, which is, first of all, simpler. Mm -hmm. You know, it has fewer colors, fewer cards, you have to hold fewer cities. Uh, it also is a game where you don't worry about keeping score until the end, mm -hmm. you know? So if you have a, a child who is getting way behind in points, that can be discouraging. They could be like, yeah. what's the point in playing anymore? I, there's no way I'm going to catch you. Uh -huh. I remember playing things like Candyland with my sisters when I was younger. And they would get way, way ahead. And I'd be like still stuck in like the peppermint forest or whatever. And I'd be like, well, I'm not going to catch you. So there's no point. Yeah. You know. I mean, the other nice thing is it doesn't require them to keep track of their score. Yeah. Because it, I'm assuming that the junior one also, and it's not called junior, it's called them my first ride. First believe, journey. Yeah. Or first journey. Um. It had, I'm assuming it also has the tracker going along the edge of the board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing um, with Ticket to Ride, um, one of the reasons I think it's good for the whole family is that it, one, um, I'm assuming, obviously you played it with them, but I kind of helped you pick it out to buy it for them mm -hmm. originally, is that while it is a slightly simpler version of Ticket to Ride, where it is simpler is not necessarily in any of the rules or any of the strategy. Oh, no. yeah. It's essentially shorter routes. Yeah. Um, slightly larger trains, so they're easier. Yeah, the to, trains are like twice as big because they're easy to pick up for kids who have less dexterity. Yeah, they're easier to. They're not only easier to pick up, harder to lose. Yes. Um, they also more painful to step on. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also have, in addition to the city names, they have kind of like um, some kind of geographical location to help represent the yeah, city. Yeah, like New York shows the picture of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, which helps if kids can't necessarily read yet. 
Yeah, it does. And yeah. like my nephew who's four, he can play that because mm-hmm. he's like, I have to go from the Hollywood sign or the camera to the dinosaur. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And but the thing is, for an adult playing it, it still tickets ride. Yeah. So oh, I you can time. still you can still enjoy it. In fact, didn't you say that your nieces beat you? They did. Um, <laughs> and I was not letting them. You know, they just honestly were getting the right color cards. Yeah, really. I mean, that's what's nice about that game is you don't have to necessarily let them win. It's all kind of the cards that come up mm-hmm. and what your strategy is to get there. And they could easily still beat you without you even letting them. And we actually did play a regular game of Ticket to Ride some point later on. Mm-hmm. And my nephew, he, he didn't get involved in this. He's the youngest one. But uh, my other two nieces, who are six and eight... They were interested to play. And the only trouble I saw that they had was holding all the cards they needed to hold. Oh, uh-huh. Because in Ticket to Ride uh, First Journey, the junior uh-huh. edition, it's also shorter distances between each city. So you don't need as many cards. You don't need as many cards. But in the regular version, it can be up to like six yeah. different things. And that's if you have that right number. And, you know, so their tiny hands are like, I can't hold all these cards. Mm-hmm. So I that's one of the problems. But I mean... We just made the rule like you can just put your cards down on the table and keep picking them up to look. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. So that's fine, of course. Yeah. Sometimes I even do that, especially if I get too much in my hand and I know I'm focusing on needing a certain color. Yeah. I'll kind of be like putting this down because I don't need this. Mm-hmm. I just need this right now. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, that game it doesn't necessarily keep track of the score as you go along, mm-hmm. and you don't have to keep track of the score to play something like uh, like we mentioned the last episode, Monopoly. The score technically there's how much money you have. Yeah. You know, I clearly, I cannot play if I'm not keeping track of money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not possible. But here, you could actually choose to even ignore the scoreboard and just, I'm just going to try my best. Whoever can get their connections first wins, wins uh-huh. you know. So it's, there's ways that you can modify it that uh, even if the rules might be a bit too much for certain age groups, it can still be fun and enjoyable. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, things like that. Um Another one that we did have that um, they enjoyed, actually, now surprised they were able to handle this, was uh, we had Mysterium, Mm -hmm. which uh, is kind of a picture card game where I'm putting out picture cards and I'm trying to get you to guess a specific character or location or item. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like Clue. Um, And I I wish we had a copy of Dixit up there because Mysterium is very much like Dixit. They did. (laughs) Well, that's right. They do. I I just, well, okay. Well, at least they did. At one time they did. did. (laughs) Yeah, I did give them a copy, but uh, my sister didn't get it out of the closet. So I'm assuming it's gone, you know, (laughs) little kids, you know. Yeah. But um, games like that, uh, the kind that you also want to look for is things that are asymmetrical. One where there's two different ways to play based upon what role you're taking. Mm -hmm. Some roles might be easier than the others. I wouldn't let my nieces play as the ghost who gives out the cards. Yeah. Because that's too critical thinking, you know, Yeah, well, essentially that game is you are a ghost who is trying to give clues to the location, weapon, and person who murdered them. Yeah. And the players are essentially psychics who are receiving your messages. Yeah. And you're just giving them clues through these picture cards and all you have are so many picture cards that you have to deal with Mm -hmm. and sometimes it can be very difficult to decide okay you know i'm thinking if they'll figure this out if i give them this card Mm -hmm. and sometimes with the pictures you have to be a bit more abstract you have to be like look at the colors or like the general shapes that are Mm -hmm. present not the guy on the actual bicycle look at the wheel yeah so it can be it could be difficult for a kid to be the ghost but for the kid to be one of the players um, you know, that's, they could easily try to interpret the rules themselves. Also, it is, does have a cooperative element. It does have a cooperative element. So 
all the other adults around uh-huh. can help them decide or like help them reason. And that game does technically have a time limit of like seven turns, but we just took that away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just first, let them keep guessing. The first couple of times we played it, I don't think we played with the time element either. No. Just you know, as we got used to the game. Yeah, and and then it was great because we could put down the cards, and then once they guessed correctly, we could then educate them and tell them here's why this connects mm-hmm. to that and oh okay you know? uh-huh. so it kind of teaches them see i'm going with color yeah it was the brown in the background you're supposed to look at because he has a brown coat you know <laughs> kind of thing you know so it, it shows them and kind of actually teaches them about um taking out and dissecting the different abstract elements mm-hmm. and recognizing those for what they are not taking everything super super literally yeah you know because they were like there's no there's no uh, rat in any of these, and there's a rat in this picture. Mm-hmm. It's not about the rats. Really. Yeah, the like, rat's just one part of the picture. But um, so definitely uh, something with an asymmetrical side. That also does kind of go in the cooperative part, but depending on the other games, there's a lot of asymmetrical games out there, you know, and what the roles are, some sides are easier than others. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely latch onto that. Uh, and have the um, have the kids play along with that, and it's still fun for the adult to try to guess too. Yeah, know? exactly. And, and whoever's the ghost, they're still having a good time trying. To, in fact, it's kind of an extra challenge. Like, can I make this easy enough for a child? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. What 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 do I think a child will pick out of of this clue? Because in games like that, you really have to try to read the mind of the other players. How will they interpret this? Uh-huh. Not how do I interpret this? How will yeah. they? <laughs> and usually, you guys give me a lot of uh, grief because. <laughs> Apparently, my mind works in mysterious Yours ways. Yours does, yeah. For some reason, I played a much better ghost than Greg has played. <laughs> but to be fair, when I played with my sister, she got me every time. Yeah, there must be some weird family connection. It's that secret language we developed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's just because she's known me for like Probably, three decades. Probably, yeah. And she's like, he's a weird guy. He would maybe do that. Yeah, he did. He did this. <laughs> okay, sure. Why not? There's a lot of games right now that are very popular that are not family friendly, mm-hmm. like Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. I would never play that with no, a no, child. No, no, yeah. <laughs> There's not, I don't think, a single card in any of those decks that yeah. could show to a child without <laughs> severely upsetting the mother. Yeah, there's also another game that I was thinking of that is not necessarily family-friendly, even though the rules are very easy. And it's actually one we played just recently. We hadn't played it in a long time, and that's Cash and Guns. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of parents probably wouldn't be very comfortable with the idea of teaching kids to point any kind of gun at one another, much less foam guns. But, you know, it's like I said, it's a simple game, but maybe not something that kids should play. Yeah, no. But um, some games are very similar mm-hmm. to other games. And one that we did have up there was Apples to Apples, which plays identical to how Cards Against Humanity plays, where you have, I forget if it's the red or the green apples that are the point cards, but you put, like, let's just say green apple out, and then you put red apples out to match that card as best you can. Yeah, you and know? it's text-based, right? And, yeah, it's it's all, you know, it's... um. It's about like you know monuments or it's it's like nouns and then adjectives uh-huh. you know so it's so like give an example please it's like Mount Rushmore and then like um, beautiful or like old or okay. you know I've like, never played apples to apples yeah. so I you know I've just heard of it and I know it's similar to Cards Against Humanity and it's a clean version it's, yeah and what's great about it also is that on the cards they actually give a brief description as to what that word is yeah. or what that noun is the only downside I could see with this game would be is um, if your child can't read yeah correct? if you can't if your kid can't read, this game's not quite there. But uh-huh. I mean, even still, like they could just like I choose this card. Yeah, okay, and sure. I mean the thing is with kids, we're talking kind of a wide variety of ages and of a wide variety of what they can and can't do and what they can and can't handle. So yeah. you know, we're just kind of being general here. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, when we play uh, Cards Against Humanity, we play with a character called Rando. 
uh-huh. that's just a random draw of a card from the deck. So like even a kid can read, they can just throw one out. And you know, rando sometimes wins. Uh, yeah. Well, sometimes just a random guess. And unfortunately, we have um, run into a couple of adults who can't read very well either. So yeah, see, so hey, they can, and like I said, it's. I think for children, it's more about the fact that they are enjoying the fact that they are playing. Yeah. That they're involved in the play, you mm-hmm. know? So even if they don't win, they're like, I get to try, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you know, you could easily then just sit down and play a kid's game with them, but isn't it better to also be enjoying the game that the kid is playing? Because I think the kid will also recognize the fact that you're enjoying yourself as well. Oh, yeah. As opposed to, you know, even though we might all be good fakers, when we're playing Candyland, I'm sure to a certain extent kids catch on and realize that you don't like to play it. Like my mother. <laughs> no, I caught on uh, kind of early that, yeah, my mom and dad did not like to play board games as much. Uh-huh. So it was kind of discouraging to be like, oh, I guess I shouldn't ask them because they don't want to play. Mm-hmm. I clearly know they don't want to play. Uh, so I learned how to play a lot of games single player. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's, that's like you said, we're looking for ones that are in that nice happy medium. Here. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, the other one that actually uh, happened upon that I thought was interesting I didn't know they could go this um, this young, but I actually got my nieces kind of into Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I would say you probably, I mean, depending on the child as well, in your circumstance, I'm sure you probably didn't have too much violence going on. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I made it very simple. Our story, and I can give this to any, feel free to use this at home, listeners. <laughs> um, I asked them first, and we boiled it down to, like, bare bones. I gave them blank pieces of paper with pencils, and I said, like, what's your character's name? Mm -hmm. What do they do? One niece chose that she was a fairy. The other one said, I'm a marine biologist. And I'm like, I can work with this. You can see the age differences here. (laughs) I'm sure it was the older older one who said she was a marine biologist. (laughs) I think it's because she's been studying uh, ocean life recently. (laughs) And that definitely sounds like the two of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so with that, I was like, okay, so there's a really mean shark, and he's being a bully to everybody, you know? Uh, I didn't think they'd be too much into violence being girls. You know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, and it's just we wrote down things as we went along. You know, it's Dungeons and Dragons itself tends to have a very strict set of rules, but there's lots of role playing games out there that have a bit more looser rules. Mm-hmm. Some even where you just develop your character as you go along. You yeah. Know? So we definitely can play with that. And the reason I I thought that would be good for them and it worked out is because one night when I was telling them a bedtime story, they kept interrupting me, going like, "And the princess's name is Stephanie." <laughs> sure the yeah. princess's name is stephanie little stephanie go back to bed <laughs> well and also i think you know i think the whole kind of what goes into dnd automatically is good for kids because it's all about you know when we do a map or something for dnd it is literally something drawn on yeah. a large scroll of paper thing that we we have like this mat um it, you know it's just lines of markers but we have to in our minds pretend that it's a dungeon yeah. and think that it's a dungeon and for kids that's like naturally so much easier for them and then know? meanwhile one of our more artistic friends will draw like pokemon on the side or something. <laughs> yeah well <laughs> because she's like i can make this into a fly trap or something you know? <laughs> um yeah and so they really enjoyed that you know i realized they're begging to tell their own story mm-hmm. why not let them tell their story yeah and the idea of creating a character that's a lot of fun i yeah. mean that's fun as adults i'm sure it's really fun as kids oh they had a blast uh one of them was like the one who wanted to be fairy she's like i can do um three wishes a day 
But if it's not a good wish, then I don't get that wish back. And I'm like, that's creative. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Meanwhile, the other one was like, I'm a breeding biologist and I can talk to animals. I'm like, you mean like Dr. Doolittle? I had to explain who that was. Uh-huh. He goes, yeah, I just like make movements and they can like, you know, hear me. Or like, I could put my head in the water and make bubbles and they understand. I'm like, that's awesome. Let's go for that. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing is, you know, especially if you're going to do some kind of like actual D&D campaign, obviously it's fun to roll dice. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, we had one six-sided dice, and I was just like, "You need a three or better." Yeah, yeah. it's also you know having any kind of miniature that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the only problem there would be is it can be, and I know this is because um, I actually paint miniatures. Yeah, you did a great job, by the way. I try. Um, I'm not as good as some people, but You've seen you know, mine. you do a great <laughs> job, by the way. Um, but it's very difficult to find miniatures that are a nice representation of female characters. Um, oh yeah i've seen some bad ones out yeah there. I, like i saw one of a woman with a saber-toothed tiger she is completely nude but with a spear yeah and a lot of times i mean it's the same in video games you know women's armor is ridiculous it's, yeah it's like bikini yeah and yet it has a high armor rating how <laughs> yeah um so you know i think probably what i can do is i'm gonna try to dig up listeners some good places to get minis that are a little bit more child-friendly or just you know more appropriate that aren't scantily clad that actually have real clothing and armor and actually look like they could fight you know so um i'll definitely make a note and i'll try to post some of that on our social media and also maybe ones without severed heads (laughs) true yeah (laughs) because there's also some gory ones out there yeah there are (laughs) so like we'll find a place where it's like yeah nice shopping yeah yeah i'm sure you'll probably have to go to several different sources but we'll find some good ones oh yeah i'm sure and there also are i think some um dnd or role-playing we should say role-playing like games out there that i think are more geared towards children Mm -hmm. um, that are also more out of the box so you don't have to maybe come up with something on your own. No, yeah, there's actually uh, ones that are like contain box sets for D&D. Uh-huh. I don't know what the age range in those are. I think it'd be about 12 or 13 yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah. And those ones would have some more specific rules, but based upon how old the child is and uh, based upon what company it's from, you may be able to fudge the rules of Bendham a little bit. Or if not, then hey, you have this cool stuff that you can play with later. Yeah, and I, I do think, um, I seem to remember hearing about one that is specifically, it's not Dungeons and Dragons, mm. but it is a role-playing game that is specifically kind of more geared towards playing with kids. Yeah. Um, and then also one I'm thinking of just off the top of my head is um, Mice and Mystics. I believe that one can also be played with kids. Actually, yeah, I think I saw online that some people were saying they were playing with kids as young as even seven, mm-hmm. seven or eight, you know. Yeah, so, and that they, one's really cute because it's all mice. And Yeah, and the good thing about that one is that it's very ordered mm-hmm. and simple. Yeah. How you attack is very simple. You just roll and dice, did you make the attack or not? You don't uh-huh. have to be adding numbers. Yeah, I mean, it does you know. have violence, but, you know, some people for certain ages, that's fine. First, you know, I'm sure for your particular situation, I don't think your sister would have appreciated any kind of violence. If it was our kids, we would probably th- not let them. But <laughs> well, also in that game, if I remember correctly, some of the biggest enemies are giant spiders, and she's a big arachnophobe, so she would have said nope, and then just walked out the room. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, like I said, my Mystics is very cute. In fact, it's been on our want list for a long time, yeah. but it is highly expensive. So if we do get it, you're gonna have to paint them because I don't think they can oh, paint it. Oh, please, I want to paint them. No, I know. That's kind of the reason I want the game. <laughs> yeah, just to paint. Just to paint them. 
Um, the other one that I remembered uh, that we actually had, and then we got this out later, you know, because I actually gave them this one too, is actually a storytelling game mm. with cards called Once Upon a Time. I remember that one. Which, yeah, we tried a little bit and we kind of liked it, but, you know, my nieces, think, they yeah. loved it more. Yeah, I think the time we tried it, the setting was just not right for the game. It was kind of mid-party and trying to get a bunch of adults to tell a story was not, yeah. a, not a good but, time. But that's a fun one too, especially if you don't have as active an imagination. Pretty much how that one works is you have cards in your hand that are different story elements like a tower a well a prince charming mm-hmm. a horse whatever you know and it's just as you're telling the story you have to incorporate those elements in your hand you know so it kind of helps you guide the thing and if i remember correctly there's even um kind of the end cards where you have to try to get it to be like and they lived happily ever after or and then the witch learned her lesson mm-hmm. you know so we actually got a chance to play that too and Kids, adults, everyone can enjoy a good story, you know? So whether you're actively telling the story or whether you're sitting and listening to this tale being spun by the most creative little minds you've ever heard in your life, you know? (laughs) It's also, it's enjoyable for everybody because who doesn't like the idea of sitting around and, oh, and then the frog, he kissed the horse and then a dragon came up and said, hi, my name is Fred. (laughs) True excerpt, by the way. Maybe not the dragon's name, but still. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of really great games that, in fact, if I remember correctly, uh, cause you mentioned Mice and Mystics, that, uh, Once Upon a Time was actually found, uh, from that show Tabletop. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, also, you know, in addition to kind of some of the ones that we had thought of, um, I went out on social media and kind of asked around to see what other people recommended. Thank you for everyone who recommended stuff. We got a really great list. Um, but I actually wrote down some of the ones that were, I was seeing over and over again that were making multiple lists. Mm-hmm. Um, one was Catan. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were saying Settlers of Catan. They do have a junior and version And they also have a junior version. So depending on the age of your kid, you could go junior or regular. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I haven't seen the junior version played, but I'd imagine it's probably similar to how Clue Junior or Ticket to Ride Junior plays, where it's the same thing, just like condensed down. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, uh, Carcassonne was also one that a lot of people mentioned i guess if you take out the actual scoring part of it because that's kind of if i remember correctly laying tiles down to build a city mm-hmm. you know some of the scoring can be a little bit complex for how different things work and like at the meeples here or there but still i can imagine kids of a young yeah and they that. also they have a, a version called the my first carcassonne there you go so when, See, there yeah you go. Okay. um the other one which i've i've seen played a couple times is uh, king of tokyo oh that's a fun mention yeah one that we have and that also a lot of people mentioned was Munchkin. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, kids, depending on their age, could play Munchkin because the nice thing about Munchkin is that each card kind of explains exactly what it does. Yeah. So as long as your kid is old enough to like read and kind of that, they can figure that out for themselves without having to constantly ask you, what does this mean? I mean, even as adults, sometimes I'll be like, oh, Greg, I don't understand this card. Yeah. But, you know, so they don't have to do that quite as much. And I mean, they have a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor in there, mm-hmm. but nothing ever gets lewd, I would say. No. Or, or too gory. Too gory. Or yeah, it's yeah. more funny yeah i think the worst thing i've seen in there was the broad sword uh-huh usable for females only yeah but or the that's... knee pads of allure where a girl's just going like kind of yeah with her finger. yeah i can't think of anything but like that's that's the worst of it and, like if you really want you could even take those cards out doesn't affect yeah and I don't, I don't really see those as being i mean broad is just broad as in a woman yeah like, no um another one that people mentioned was uh Tekinoko. Takenoko. Takenoko, which I've never played. I've seen it. It's the one with it's, the cute pandas. It's cute pandas and bamboo trees. And yeah. yeah. Um, but we've never, or I've never played that one. 
Um, Blocus? Okay, I'm not sure about this. It's either Blocus or Blockus. I say Blockus. Maybe, but it's, that's it's because with it's blocks, blocks. But yeah. it could very well be Blocus. I don't know. This was the first time I had actually ever heard of that I've been proven so. wrong with pronunciation before. So... <laughs> That's um, why I don't just take things for granted. Yeah. Another one that people, a lot of people said, which is actually a game I would like to try sometime because I've, I've heard about it everywhere, mm-hmm. is Sushi Go. Oh, yeah. Um, Super cute. We just had Sushi Today, too. We did. So that would be a good game. Um, it'd probably, I wonder how accurate it is as well. It'd probably be a good game to teach your kids about sushi. While you're eating sushi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Potion Explosion, which I think is a fairly new game. That was another one that came up a couple times. Mm-hmm. Tales and Games, The Hare and the Tortoise. That was another one that people said that kids could play. Oh, I've seen that where it's like the racing one. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and then also a couple dice games. Um, Zombie Dice, which we have played, and I can see where that one would probably be pretty easy for a kid to pick I up. I have no idea where my copy is. <laughs> I have a copy of Zombie We've Dice. We've played it before. So I, that's why I know yeah. we have it. Greg's, just... Greg's room is kind of like a black hole. It's where things go to I hide. don't think it's even in the room. I think it's in some other cabin in the house Which is somewhere. funny because his room's very tiny, so it's funny that he loses things. Um, and then the other one was Alhambra. Mm-hmm. Which I guess there's two versions. There's a solely dice version, and then there's another version. I Is believe. there? Yeah. I had not heard of the dice version. Yeah, it's like something that they came up with afterwards. I that think. actually brings up another side point I didn't consider before. I think dice games dice would games be good for would kids be, yeah. because how easy is it to just roll dice? Well, yeah, and I think now, I mean, you know, obviously when we, we were kids, there was things like Yahtzee, which probably teaches you more about poker than it does anything else. But Pretty much. Because <laughs> it t- teaches you flushes and straights and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, but dice games, like especially zombie dice, it's really just about matching up symbols and gathering so many symbols. And then and... deciding, do you want to try again? Mm. Or do you want to cut your losses yeah. and call it? Yeah, so I think dice games would be good. And the good thing about these is I know we're, we're just briefly explaining all of them. Almost all of these were featured on a YouTube show that most people have heard of called Tabletop. Mm-hmm. So you can go there and see them played and see how they work and kind of decide if you think they'd be right for your family. Yeah, the good thing about that show too is not only do they show you people playing the game, but as they go along, they do a great job of explaining the rules, mm-hmm. how they work in game. They don't yeah. just dump all the rules in front of you at the top and yeah, say, no, let's yeah, play. Yeah. They will pause once something comes up. Yeah. And say, here's what's going on. Here's how this is resolved. Yeah, which is really good for someone like me who does not like to be told kind of... I mean, I like to be told the rules, but I'm one who I'm like, okay, that's great. Let's just start playing this because I will learn much better if yeah. we just start. Usually most people do prefer that. They prefer to tune-up game Yeah. before you actually play a game for real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I guess you could call it as visual learners. But me, it's just if you just give me all that exposition, I'm going to drown you out. Speaking of rolling dice, let's go ahead and head on to our next section, then the dice roll. So let's roll the dice. What do we have this time? One thing that is always kind of the accounted for factor when playing games is how many players do you have? Because, Uh I mean, it's good to think of, and most people think about, you know, oh, we have six players. What can we play with six players? But you also have to consider what game is good with six players. Definitely, definitely. Because I know we've played games that, you know, are recommended for a large group and have found this game does not work for a large group. Um, One thing just off the top of my head that I can think of that we've kind of come into because we're kind of trying these out more and more are these kind of escape room in the box type games. Definitely. We've really found that, you know, we've played... Uh, at least one now that I can think of uh, with five people and it just did not work out. Um, 
it, two people were kind of sidelined and part of that had to do with the group we had but two people were kind of sidelined there wasn't enough for everyone to look at um, I think a lot of times these pu puzzle in the box games are very linear where there's only one thing you can yeah do right which now. doesn't work with a big group of people so I would personally I feel a lot of those games would work better with four max mm-hmm ideally two or even they would be fun solo games oh yeah definitely mm -hmm. yeah one of the ones that we had for the uh, escape room in a box was great because it actually teaches you how to repackage it yeah so you can gift it to somebody else mm -hmm. so i actually took that up to see my family and i had them try it just because first of all i want to share it with them yeah and also i want to see did they encounter the same issues we did exact same thing mm -hmm. it was you know these two or three people were like pretty much uh -huh. in charge of the game and the other people were just sitting off the sign going like well it's over on that end of the table and i'm at this end of the table yeah i can't see i can't really see that's the only thing really... that we need to be working on yeah i guess i'm sitting out I'm, I'm an audience member exactly yeah um and we'll definitely be talking more about those because i mean that is a big hot thing right now and as people who love escape rooms we're very eager to play more of those we've only played a couple yet so we're saving that and we're playing some more to get more familiar with them but that's just one area that i've encountered so far yeah um, one specific game also that I know that you have troubles with, with large numbers. And this game, the more expansions you buy, the more players it seems you'd be able to have mm -hmm. because you're taking two different decks and mix them together in Smash Up. Yes. Smash Up is a game where you're taking uh, two different uh, themes yeah. and putting them together like dinosaurs and zombies or aliens and robots or you, whatever. Basically, you, have two, you, have, um, you can pick from all these different fractions. Mm. You pick two of them and combine them, and yeah. that is your fraction. In the initial box, it gives you eight. Mm -hmm. So that means you can do four players because you know, yeah. eight divided by two. But then with each expansion, you have more decks available. Mm -hmm. And many people think that that means I can now do more players. Yes. But it's not really meant to go too high because we found we once played with like six or eight people. Uh -huh. And the problem was that by the time it finally gets to your turn, any plan that you might have had is, is already gone. well gone. Yeah, exactly. And I'm one who basically as soon as I am done, I am planning my next move when the next player is yeah. playing. And so I was constantly being like, well, there goes that plan. Well, there goes that plan. Well, there goes that plan. Exactly. And I was getting very frustrated. And Essentially, also, you have to play on instinct. Yeah, and also, I may never, you know, a base, basically you're trying to um, overload a kind of base card that has like a number it has to reach. And so you're trying to get as many of your fraction to there. And once it hits that number, the base, people get scores for that base. Well, by the time it got to me, maybe I wanted a hand in that game, but... It's already, I, you know, gone. it's already gone because everyone else flooded it before it even got to me. So it was like I didn't even have a chance. And I also found it, you know, it took a long time for people to do their turns. And so I would get really bored mm -hmm. as well. Or another one that we had recently that we had trouble with was the Big Book of Madness. Yes. Where we actually had five people. Mm -hmm. Normally we're kind of like a double date situation. But uh -huh. we have the fifth friend who shows up every now and then. <laughs> and, you know, we love to see her and everything. And we thought, oh, this is perfect. We have a game that goes up to five players. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Well, the problem with that is that in this game, everyone's on the clock. And yeah. has to get these certain... Uh, monsters taken care of with magic spells before it gets to them otherwise everyone gets penalized with five people in that game every single round everyone can only do one turn mm -hmm. and if you're not ready too bad yeah you know and that game actually plays better with just two or three people because then people get multiple turns per round so uh -huh. you can kind of set up and get ready you know so we found it kind of frustrating to be like 
I can't, I, I can't do anything. Yeah, Sorry. Like, yeah. I, I mean, guess I'm useless this round. Yeah. And um, we actually played that game originally at a game cafe. And we did, despite it, us having those challenges, mm-hmm. um, we really liked it. And one of our friends ended up purchasing it. So we've played it since. And it does play much better with four. And like you said, maybe with even less, it would play better. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that it's a bad game. It's a great game. No, it's, it's a lot of fun. Optimally there's a number lower than a max. Yeah, exactly. Like, just because a game says something is what its player count is doesn't always necessarily mean that that's what it plays ideally at. Exactly. Meanwhile, you have the opposite end of the spectrum where some games require that you have more players than a minimum number. Mm-hmm. You know, something like Risk. If I'm playing Risk against just you, mm-hmm. some versions, they actually have you set up this kind of, like, blank army that just like fills in space and it's just like a buffer between uh-huh. our two forces that just slows down the major conflict that's going to happen. Yeah. And also there's no like, okay, I won't attack you for three turns if you let me go invade this, you know, kind of like negotiations uh-huh. and alliances and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've only ever played Risk just with you, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also things like Mysterium, mm-hmm. which we talked about already. That game actually goes up to seven players. Wow. Because it's lot. one ghost and six psychics, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is, Unless you have at least four players, the players that are the uh, psychics have to double up mm. on their duties. They have to actually play two different characters uh-huh. with two different sets because otherwise, the, the way that it's laid out is that the different suspects' uh, locations and weapons for the murder, it's X plus like one or two. But if uh, there's only two players, it's you can kind of just randomly stab in the dark and mm-hmm. get through it. Yeah. You know? So they want you to have more choices. So you have to really think about which one is it. But that's kind of not fair to say like, oh, you couldn't get one more friend. Now you have to do extra work. Mm-hmm. You know. So there are some games where it almost penalizes you for having not enough people. Yeah. Um, what about? And I don't know if you've prepared this, so I might be taking you by surprise here. <gasps> what What if you have too many people and the game doesn't go up to that many? What yeah. are some ways you can get around that? Um, I had not thought about that. But, um, one, <laughs> but I know you've done it before. So. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we have done before is we've had then uh, either team-ups mm-hmm. where, like, you know, for example, with, um, uh, like, Risk or Mysterium, then it's, like, co-generals or co-ghosts, you know, uh-huh. and they're both working towards it. Or you actually divide where literally... I had it once when I was playing a game of Risk, and we only had four armies, but there was five players, where one of us decided that this turn, I sit in the chair, you go off in the other room, and then you have to come back in the room when it's your turn and see what that happened. That could be interesting. You know, yeah, so that, it's that like, could add an oh age. man, I was going to do this, but you totally messed me up because yeah, you went Yeah, that could know. add an interesting challenge to it, it for def- sure. It's, it's fun and interesting. But some games, you can work with it like that. Other mm-hmm. games, you really can't. Yeah, or um, another instance we had recently where we were going to play Munchkin and we had too many people. And so we just essentially added another deck in with our deck. Yeah, some um, games you can keep adding. We were playing, we were going to play Marvel Munchkin. And our we had too many people and our friends just also happened to have um, the X-Men Munchkin. So they just combined it, in, it in and it worked fine. Yeah, some some games are designed to some work Some games like are, that. yeah. And thankfully those games... Even though with like Munchkin, it kind of falls in the smash up thing of like, oh, I had this plan and now it's you know mm-hmm. gone. At the same time, it doesn't have as much of an agency with the base thing. It's yeah. more of just what cards am I going to get, you know? And some games are just kind of the more the merrier, like Super Fight mm-hmm. or Cards Against Humanity. Apples yeah, apples, yeah, you know? exactly. Like infinite number of players, as long as you don't mind reading all those cards. Yeah, know? so it's always good. To, it's always good to have kind of those games in your back pocket that can, especially if you are throwing parties, mm-hmm. that can go up to as many people as you want, like a Cards Against Humanity, 
Um, a werewolf is another Actually, I had that one. written down, a werewolf, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, what you want is you want to kind of categorize your games based upon what the optimum number of players is, uh-huh. and then have two or three in each bracket. Have two or three that are good for like two to four players, have two or three that are good for like four to six players, and then like six up. Yeah. You know, because you also don't want to be playing the same game over and over mm-hmm. and over again. That, yeah. you know, and, no one's going to come over if like, they're like Munchkin again. You yeah. Know? And like I said, sometimes, you know, what's printed on the box might not always be, it may say there's this range. But yeah. it's not usually going to tell you what the optimal number is. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the only way you can usually find that out is if you play it. If you play yes, yeah. Some websites, they actually do list games and what their optimal number would be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, take that with a grain of salt as to who is the one telling you that. Exactly. Yeah. It can also, you know, highly depend on the players. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, so speaking of optimal number of players, Greg, I think there's another thing that we really like that also usually has the given number of players and then the optimal number of players, and that is escape rooms. So I think it is time for our escape room report. Okay, so for this escape room report, we are going to be talking about a room that has been getting our patronage a lot lately. A lot. (laughs) It is Countdown Live Escape Games in LA. Um, And it is located in Los Angeles, California, um, very close to the famous Staples Center. It's very easy to find. Um, They also have a second location in Las Vegas. And this location actually has three rooms. I believe their Las Vegas location may also have three rooms, but they are different rooms. Oh, are they? Yes, they are different. Um, They have the Tiki Palace, Mm -hmm. the Krampus room, and the Pandorus room. Um, So first off, one of the reasons that I really like this location is they have a dedicated parking lot which when we are driving to LA is very important to me because often we do not know where we are going to park. Also, you can see the location from the freeway exit, which is really nice if you're not really familiar with the area. So overall, I really like the location for that. Yeah, pretty easy to find, pretty easy to park. Mm -hmm. There's those weird speed bumps as you go to the backyard. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, what is it that we love about Countdown Escape? I think uh, their amazing theming of the rooms Mm -hmm. is number one. That really stands out. I've seen a lot of ones where it's clearly an office space. Yeah. And you just put a few pictures on the wall, some kind of decorations that you got from Ikea, Mm -hmm. you know. But in this one, you really feel like you're transported into the place that they say. One of them is called Pandora's Mission, where you're supposed to be on an alien space station. Yeah. I felt like I was in an episode of Star Trek. Yeah, that room really took me by surprise. Um, that's the most recent one we did. And the, the last one, we've been there. We've been to that location three times, actually. We don't handle failure well. Yes. So when we fail a room, we need to come back and answer that. Yes, and we will get to why we failed. But um, yeah, so that room, you know, we had never, even though it is a common theme, we had never done any kind of sci-fi or spaceship. Room. No. It just... For what I mean, we both love that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, we just hadn't done one. And when we walked into that room, I was entirely blown away by how cool I it have was. been ruined for all other sci fi themed escape yeah, rooms. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, they it, had laser beams, they had alien languages that you had to decipher, they, did. they had like little cute like dissections, you know, they had a cool cockpit you got to sit in. I got to sit in the cockpit <laughs> and drive it, yeah. Um, drive it. Um, Fly it? Drive it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the theming was really good. The puzzles were really good as far as really integrating with the story. And um, the theme. And the theme, yeah. One of the things that I, I don't 
think there there is like a area where you have to kind of put in like um a combination it's like a combination panel which makes sense for a alien themed or sci-fi themed but there's no like physical locks anywhere Mm-hmm. There's no combination locks. There's no, or, oh, you have to do this, like, four-digit code. Oh, for, like, where's, the, where's the little key? Where's the yeah. four-digit code? Which I really appreciated. One, because a lot of escape rooms will get very heavy into those, mm-hmm. where it's like... It's a crutch. Yeah, you're just unlocking boxes all day long. But also, because it doesn't make sense in a room like that. And it, so yeah. I really appreciated that it wasn't lock-heavy. I, I, I did notice that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an absence that is welcome. Yeah, yeah, it works really well. Um, so the first time we went here is it was just you and I, which mm-hmm. sometimes we do. Sometimes you and I just like doing escape rooms together yeah. because it's kind of like I don't know, it's a fun couples thing where we work on our communication. Well, I get some couples build IKEA furniture. We do at escape <laughs> yeah, rooms. It was also an anniversary mm-hmm. uh, present I was giving you. I was taking you to this place that I heard was really great. So mm-hmm. that's why also we were alone. <laughs> so and we did their Krampus room, which is a scary room. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, didn't see the movie two years ago or so, Krampus is the evil shadow brother version of Santa Claus. Yeah. So this had a very creepy, dark uh, Christmas theme. Yeah, yeah, and it is very, it's up there with one of the scariest rooms we've ever done. And what's really good about this one is the element that they use of darkness. Yes. And how that limits your discovery. Mm Because the first thing that you usually do in an escape room is the discovery phase. We just like, what's this? What's this? What's this? Mm -hmm. You sound like Jack Skellington in Christmas Town, you know? (laughs) But in this one, it's so dark and you have such limited light. Yeah. You just, you have to go slow and you have to really explore carefully, you know? Yeah, it really leads to the creep factor as far as you're like, I don't want, you know, you're an adult person and you know that there's nothing there but you're like I don't want to go in that dark room it's scary there was know? a dark hallway and you were like see what's down there you can find a light switch you find the light switch in the dark <laughs> I don't want to go down there and I didn't have a candle or nothing yeah and they take away your phone so you can't even cheat with the light source there <laughs> yeah it was very dark and both of us are um farsighted I guess yeah and so we both wear glasses and sometimes the dark can be extra hard for our eyes to yes. handle um, their other room is, so basically we did not get out of Krampus. But I we got say. apparently really close. We if got I had close. five more minutes. We were like on the last puzzle to get out. And so we, of course, like Greg said, do not handle, um, failure well. So we, um, just decided, hey, let's go back and we're going to go back with reinforcements. Yeah. <laughs> and also because we thought the room, despite, you know, not escaping, we thought the room was so cool that we were like, our friends have to see this room. You, you got to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So their third room is the Tiki Palace. Also really well themed, I thought. Yeah, really well themed. I mean, I think that one's a harder one to theme than the other two, maybe. Yeah. But I thought they did a really good job. Still. I mean, they had like a little bar area, mm-hmm. you know, what looked like a patio lounge for like tourists to be having the meals on. There was a, a, a volcano, <laughs> you know, like how cool is all that? Yeah. Tiki, tiki idols, all that <laughs> stuff. And this lock. Can we talk about that turtle lock right now? (laughs) Yes. Oh Um, my gosh. Well, okay. So one of the things um, you guys should know about this room is there is a video on YouTube of a group doing the Krampus room. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about that video, although it gives you a good idea of what the room is like, it doesn't give away any spoilers. So if you're really curious about that room, Google that, look it up. Also, the thing you should know is escape rooms do change a lot. Um, So we did the Krampus room, like I said, for our anniversary, and then we returned only a few weeks later and found that they had changed out um, a puzzle lock that we had trouble previously getting for a regular lock 
either someone broke it or someone found it too hard. I think someone broke it because and, they were frustrated. Yeah, and they also, they use these puzzle locks a lot throughout that location. Mm-hmm. They use them in the Tiki Room. So, Greg, what is a puzzle lock? Tell okay, about so this. a puzzle lock is a creation of the devil himself. <laughs> where, no, it's um, it looks like a regular lock that you mm-hmm. put a key into. It has an obvious keyhole. But there's a trick to it. You can't just put the right key in the hole and turn it. You also have to either press something down or jiggle something just the right way or move some other part to the side in order to unlock it. Mm -hmm. And specifically in the Tiki Room, I don't think it's much of a spoiler because it's in a chest right there. There's this lock that looks like a turtle. Mm -hmm. And I could not for the life of me figure out how to open this thing. (laughs) I'm like, it feels like... This one part moves, so that's got to be it. So I'm constantly like jiggling, trying to, it's not working. And I said, Lauren, just, yes. you know what, you come. I, there was like 90 seconds of me being frustrated and like one of our friends, Chris, looking over my shoulder like, you're not getting it. I know I'm not getting it. Thank you. <laughs> you came over and you're like, click. Yeah. For, what? What, for whatever reason, there's two things that I'm really good at <laughs> and only two things. I'm really good at puzzle locks. Yes. For whatever reason, I can always figure out what the piece is that needs to move. And I'm really good at those little bar puzzles. Those little like the little metal puzzles or sometimes they're wood or whatever that it's like this slides into this and there's oh, only one yeah. way to get them apart. You are really good at I'm those. I'm really yeah. good at those for some reason. So what what that helps me in my regular day-to-day life, I do not know. Don't worry about it. But it does help me in those situations. <laughs> but yeah, so the Tiki Palace, really well themed also. Mm-hmm. That one was uh, interesting because it seemed like <laughs> at one point I was behind the bar and I was like joking like anybody want a drink? And then I looked out and actually, like, sure enough, in one of the places where there would be, like, an ingredient, there's, like, oh, here's the thing. You know, so, like, even joking around, you can, like, find stuff, you know. Yeah. But the actually fun thing that we did on that day is because I knew we were going there ahead of time. I made sure we brought along Christmas sweaters and Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> yes, So, for did. the picture afterwards, we're looking great, you know. <laughs> um, there's a couple other things that I really like about this location. Um, one is... <laughs> And this is something to always keep in mind. Um, When we were going our second time, we had this large group. And the Tiki Room incorporated that large group. That's right. Because it goes up to eight, I think. Yeah, but Krampus did not. Mm -hmm. And so we actually called ahead and talked to the people who worked there and asked them if it would be possible for us to sneak in another person. Because we had seven. Yeah. So we had one more than what Krampus normally went to. Mm-hmm. And so they actually worked with us and they actually had a really cool solution for how we could pay for it because we were willing to pay for it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so they worked with us. So I think that's a really good, you know, there are there are going to be limitations. Sometimes a room literally cannot fit that many people in it. Sometimes yeah. there are fire safety codes that they have to follow. Which are totally understandable. Yeah. But in this one, they were just like, there may not be enough for everyone to do or it might be a little cramped if uh-huh. you put seven people in Krampus and we said, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we just knew our group and we knew it would be okay. Um, So, you know, it's always a good idea to, you know, call these people, email these people. Usually escape room owners are really nice and they will work with you. Oh, the other reason that I like this location as well is in two of the rooms, they don't do it in Pandora's, but in two of the rooms, they have a bonus. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. Yes. And basically what this is, is within each room, there's something, there's some objective or something that you need to solve. And if you do it, you will get something that you can take with you out of the room. Mm -hmm. And that something will let you unlock a box that they have in their lobby that has a special surprise in it. Yeah. And And you get to choose from a bunch. We won't spoil what's in there, but we'll just say no matter which door you choose, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it might help you do more escape rooms. Exactly. (laughs) But they're definitely fun, and they do explain it doesn't matter towards 
actually winning the room. Yeah, it's a total bonus. Thing. This And they do say this does not help towards that progression. This is a side thing. So, like, if you want to use your time to do that, you can. But don't think that this is important. Yeah, that's the other thing is it could be a risk. It, if you risk trying to find the items or solve the puzzle, you might actually end up losing because you're wasting time on it. So, thankfully, both times we had a large group. So, that kind of helped. And it's nice that it's optional, you know, because yeah. without getting too much into it, I did a bad escape room when mm-hmm. I was up north where they gave me an optional thing like that that actually was not optional. It had no progression towards the actual getting out of the room, but we still had to solve it. Otherwise, we would lose. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, why doesn't this help me get out of the room? <laughs> yeah, know, so. yeah. Um, and they do a really good job, like, fitting it into the room as well. It doesn't oh, seem out definitely. of place. Yeah. Um, but I'm really glad that we're talking about this company this month because I heard recently on another podcast, they were talking about escape rooms in a box, those type of games, which we'll definitely be talking about in the future episode, as I said. But one of the hosts was expressing that he had found escape games kind of silly. And basically to him was he said he never got why these puzzles would be there. Why would, say, an eccentric millionaire put a bunch of puzzles in his house to allow you to escape? Because he's eccentric. Yeah. Well, but he didn't didn't feel that the narrative of the room made sense. And I think that is, that's a valid criticism of escape rooms that, you know, sometimes it is kind of there's, well, why would they put this here? And why am I even here in the first place? Though I think, you know, to, with these kind of games, there is a level of um, suspension of disbelief. Of course. Um, But what I would say to that criticism is one, it sounds like he hasn't played very many good escape rooms. Because a good escape room will always have a story. Well, yeah, like I said, it's it's all about the actual theming of how it gets put in. Like you mentioned with that Pandora's one, we're in the alien space station. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the story was good too. If I remember, the story was like we had to like find a like biological sample uh-huh. on this research station or whatever it was. You that know? was like abandoned or something. Or, yeah, something yeah. like that. You know, so we're essentially like treasure hunting on this yeah. space station. You know. uh, we're almost like scavengers on... Yeah, that's the word, scavenger. Thank yeah, you. we're like scavengers on this broken down space station. So, you know, it does make sense that we wouldn't really know how to get into things and things would be mm. locked. And and I, def- I forget the reason why we had an hour, but it's something like there's only an hour's worth of oxygen left or something like that. You know, it wasn't uh-huh. just like, oh, well, you have to escape in this amount of time. It's like, no, you only have an hour to do what you need to do and then get out. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you know, so you're not locked in there. It's just like you have an hour to get out before you don't have any more time yeah or there's even um the krampus one where it was you're not locked in the room it's you have an hour before he comes back yeah because essentially what you're doing is you're trying to like find out the identity or find out something about this krampus character yeah also there's been a lot of times um where i would say we'll be in a room and i'll completely forget what the story of the room is and still have a great time because i get so caught up in the challenge of it so i think if someone is really criticizing that aspect too much that maybe i mean for them maybe escape rooms just aren't their thing yeah um to me like just the challenge of trying to solve those puzzles it can be enough yeah but i do think a good escape room will have a good story that will make sense as to why you are there and why you are trying to escape yeah i mean we did an escape room uh, that had a masquerade theme to it. Mm-hmm. And as challenging as the puzzles were, some of them were not good, but other ones were good, the theme did get lost. Very. So, like, that takes some enjoyment out of it. But yeah. we still were like, we want our money back because we didn't feel like we were at a masquerade ball. 
Yeah, you know? well, yeah. And I mean, that one, that one definitely, in that case, not only did the story get lost, but a lot of the puzzles didn't make sense with the story. So that's where it kind of, that room kind of fell apart. Yeah. Um, the other point I would make is a big misconception about escape rooms is that they always involve escaping a room. Yeah. And that's just not true. <laughs> no. Like we already mentioned with Krampus and Pandora's, you know? Yeah. Um, the... Yeah, you're not trying to escape the room. You are trying to figure out the identity of someone or in um the tiki room mm -hmm. you're actually trying to stop a volcano yeah you're trying to find a way to appease uh pele the volcano goddess mm -hmm. before she decides to blow her top literally yeah. you know <laughs> um there was actually one that we also did in riverside uh i forget the name of the top riverside of california yeah riverside california there's a lot of riversides you're correct <laughs> um where we were ghostbusters essentially we were mm -hmm. paranormal investigators just investigating a shop yeah. And it's just like, you know, oh, it's coming on to the witching hour and you only have this long before the spiritual plane fades away. So you have to mm. like, you know, uh, find the spirits and exercise the demons before you just run out of time. Yeah. Um, we did a really fun room too once where we were actually detectives trying to solve a murder. Yes, that was And fun. the great thing about that room was the goal was not so much to get out, although you did, you know, finally have to get through a final door. Mm -hmm. But then the host was out there and she would ask you who the murderer was. And yeah. if you didn't know, if you couldn't tell her who the murderer was and how they um, committed the murder, you technically lost, even yeah. though you got out of the room. Or there was one in that same company where we were uh, FBI bomb technicians, mm -hmm. and we had an hour to find and defuse a bomb. Yeah, which and there is was, a pretty typical theme. There was literally a moment at the end where I have two wires to cut, and you're like, cut this one. I'm like, but we have time. We should have, just cut the wire. Okay, <laughs> if we're wrong, click, and we were right. But it just, we had five more minutes, Lord. We could have, like, you know. We, yeah, well, we were running out of time. And we had never at that point ever failed a room. And I was not about to fa have our first failure. And Greg wanted to take a 50-50 chance. It was very clear what color it should be, but Greg had to try to overanalyze well, it. Well, to me, it could have gone both ways. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, part of that is I just think for this person, they haven't done a good escape room. A good escape room will have a good narrative and also... Like I said, it's not always about escaping necessarily. In fact, we've actually found in some respects that escape room isn't a good term for no. what it is either. We need to come up with some new term. In a way, yeah, because a lot of times when we've been explaining it to people who've never heard of escape rooms, and yes, there are people out there who exist who do not know what an escape room is now, um, we've had it, they, they are initially, well, you let someone lock you in a room? Well, you know, do you, are you scared? What if you can't get out and all these, you know, and we have to kind of like, no, 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 it's not, you know, it's about trying to solve these puzzles and things, you know, it's not, it's not about you're locked in this room, you know? Yeah, all these minor phobias start popping up. Exactly, yeah. You're like, no, 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 it, you have a big red button you can push, but then you lose the game. And don't worry about it, it's fine. So Lauren, um, the uh, Countdown Live Escape in LA mm -hmm. has three different rooms, the Krampus, Tiki, and uh, Pandora's. Which of the three would you say was your favorite? That That's a hard pick. Um, well, and of course, one of them is more recent in my memory because we just did that one recently. Mm -hmm. It's not that I have anything against the Tiki Palace. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. But it's a toss-up between Krampus and Pandora's. Mm -hmm. I am going to go with Krampus. Yeah. Mainly because there were a couple elements in that room that really challenged us. And also um, there was a couple times in that room where we had to kind of physically, actually both rooms low, but Krampus, I, I like this puzzle particularly the best, where we had to physically interact with the room. Oh yeah. 
um, in order to get something done. And I always like when I get to physically interact with a room. Definitely fun, yeah. My favorite was Pandora's because like you said, there's no traditional locks in there. Uh We had to try to decipher a universal like, you know, message of even if you don't read this language, here's a pictogram kind of thing mm-hmm. to do, you know. And then just the the uh, fun little references they had. They have like little references to like E.T. and there, you know, things like that. Those were also enjoyable too. Mm-hmm. But I'd have to say Pandora's, but Krampus, very close. Second. Yeah, yeah. I think all of our friends were, would have a hard time deciding between the two. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, Tiki Room is great. It's It's a fun one, but we just had a bit more enjoyment with Krampus and Pandora. But if you are going to go there, try all three if you can. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think they kind of will appeal to different people because if you're not into scary, don't do Krampus. No. Um, If you're not into sci-fi, don't do Pandora. Don't do Pandora. (laughs) If you're not into taking a vacation, don't do Tiki. (laughs) But then speaking of uh, favorites, Lauren, let's go on to our last section of the day, the Friday favorites. Yes. So, Lauren... This Friday, what game are you going to be thinking about the most that you might want to ha- bust out from the closet or play? <laughs> well, although we have um, talked about this game a lot, actually, right now, um, I'm kind of falling back into Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a couple of chances to play it recently, but also when you were out of town and you were out of town for a while, um, I actually downloaded the Ticket to Ride on Steam, which you already had. Mm-hmm. And we were actually able to play um, games of Ticket to Ride against each other, even with you out of an, another state. Yeah, we kind of have a little date night online with Ticket to Ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, I think I thoroughly trounced you in one of those games, too. I, I don't know if you thoroughly. I, I, I took the New York to Boston line, and you were like, no! <laughs> well, I do remember, in, and this is... One of the things I would say about the new um, or the Steam version, which I'm sure the other there's also I know you can get um, it for your Apple products as well yeah. through the Apple Store. Um, probably Google Play probably also has it. So and I'm sure they're very similar. Um, it's very easy to use and it's very intuitive. So I pretty much picked up how to do it right away. But I encountered something that's never happened to me when physically playing Ticket mm-hmm. to Ride. Whereas I was saving a certain color. I believe it was blue for um, one of the routes and I accidentally use those cards for one of the routes where it doesn't matter what color you use. Yeah. I accidentally clicked on them without realizing it. And so I ended up losing the cards I needed for a route and that really, really hurt me. (laughs) And that's the one downside to it is because in any game, I think most people, if it's a physical game, they say, you know what, it's okay, just replace it with whatever card you meant to. Uh Unless they're gonna be real like, you took your finger off of it, you know, kind of thing. But most people, whatever, it's a game. Uh But in this digital version, we can't reason with it. Yeah. So you were like, oh, I just lost. Yeah. (laughs) But I thought it was a lot of fun and I've even um, played it a couple times just on my own because you can also play it on your own if you want. Yeah. You can play against the computer. Um, and it has all the maps. Yeah, it has all the maps. Yeah, I only bought the Europe and America map, but that's just because I was just, oh, I'm going to buy these two for now because we were going to play like mm-hmm. the next night. Um, but yeah, I might be interested in getting some of the other maps later on. One thing I would recommend is if you are someone who plays Ticket to Ride and are thinking about getting the other maps, get this version first, mm-hmm. or at least take a look at some of the videos because all the different maps have a different way to play. There's a different uh-huh. rule, like I mentioned before. And so it's kind of fun because these digital maps are a lot cheaper than buying the actual game. Plus, you know, that takes up space in your closet uh-huh. and all that stuff. So you can actually play around with like a $2 like map and then see like, do I like this rule and how they play? Or no, nah, not so much. Like uh-huh. I tried that and 
one of the maps I didn't quite like was the um, was the China map or China or Asia is one of those. But I know mm-hmm. China is a big part of it where they have like broken down rails where you have to actually technically put two piece two trains there because, you know, it's like you got to repair. And it's just that map is good, but I just don't like that rule mm-hmm. as much, you know. So I don't know if I'd actually want to buy the physical copy to keep up space in my place. Yeah. So. And the other thing, we buy it through Steam. And one of the things that most people who have ever bought games through Steam know is a couple times a year, there are these amazing Steam sales. And I oh, believe yeah. that's when you originally got it. And yeah. you got, I got it, it for, for like three bucks or something. Yeah. You got it for like a real steal. So yeah. I would always wait and be on the lookout for those. So how about you, Greg? What is on your mind? Zombies! It's actually this game called Zombies! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Like three or four of them. <laughs> that is actually important. <laughs> yeah. Because if you just Google a zombie game, you will get so many games. Yeah. This one has like a ton of exclamation points after Like at least three, maybe five. Mm-hmm. And it's a game where you're actually um, a bunch of survivors trying to get to the chopper. You know, and get out of the city. But what's fun about it is that the city you build as you go along, each player's turn, you actually pick up a city tile and it has different like roads on it, or it has a store or something, and then you place it down that along with the city that's down there, so it makes sense, you know. So what's fun about it is that you're constantly building the new city and never no game is the same twice, you know, unless you purposely try to make it that way. And you're so low on health and bullets all the time. Like you only have three bullets. I think you can hold a maximum of like five. Uh-huh. So you're constantly like, oh, I, I want to go kill these zombies. Because you can also win by just killing a lot of zombies. Should I risk that? Because if I die, I lose half of those. You know, mm-hmm. That's another reason why I like it is that even if you die, there's no permanent consequences. You just lose half of the zombies you had collected. You know, But it's fun to go into stores and pick up items and use other items to mess with other players. You know. And so I was kind of uh, looking over that again, thinking, mm, you know, Halloween's coming up. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I should we, go brush up on I that. I think I've only, I've only played it once, and I'm sure a couple of our friends probably have never played it. Well, so. see, the problem we've only, the reason we've only played it once is because we have this uh, version of a game that we play called Mess with Greg, <laughs> where no matter what happens, play your cards to mess with Greg. <laughs> yeah. You know? You make it so easy, though. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's because I'm too good, and you guys yeah. have to do it if you oh, want a yeah, chance. Yeah, right. If you want a chance to win, you have to knock me sure, down a few times. Sure, sure, sure. That's sure. my stance, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay, so maybe next Friday we'll get one of those two, and we'll roll the dice to see which one we play. I call evens. <laughs> so, you know, this is our going to be our second episode. Um, and I just want to thank everybody who um, tuned in for our first episode. want to thank all of our new um, followers on um, social media. Um, also want to send out a special thank you to our film fam and our movie pod squad groups. Um, those are two groups that we're um, with on Twitter um, with our movie podcast. And they were very um, influential and really excited and willing to help us with this new podcast and spread the word. So I wanted to thank those guys as well. Thank you so much much <laughs> uh, music for this episode was provided by bensound.com as always you can find us anywhere podcasts are available uh, rates and review on itunes are much appreciated as it really helps new listeners find our podcast we can be found at game friday on instagram twitter and facebook um, please come and talk games with us and thanks for listening bye, bye.